0: the Lord. And Abraham did that here in matter of praying for Lot. Now, I'm not going to take much time, but I want us to look at three things in this matter of the morning of prayer in the life of Abraham. Well, number 1, we have to look at the burden for prayer. You find that in chapter 18. These scriptures are by no means new. To anyone that's been in around the Word of God, you know the Scripture that Abraham was visited uh, there in verse number uh, the earlier part of the chapter, verse number one. The Lord appeared unto him, and then he comes and he gives them the news of the promise of uh, Isaac's birth, and uh, and and then the Scripture says there that the Lord said, Shall I hide this thing which I'm going to do, in verse 17. And that thing that he's referencing is in the verse follows, that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And when he said that, notice what it says in verse 22. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And then notice verse 23. And Abraham drew near. There's a, there, there's a, a close, closing of a gap. There's a drawing more, can I use this word, intimate. A, a closeness to the Lord in this matter of praying. And here we find his burden. As he stands yet before the Lord in in verse 22, he, he says, Abraham stood yet before the Lord just moments ago. He has been encouraged. He has been uplifted. I mean, the, the, the light of his world was lit again. He had been reinforced the promise that he would be the father of a child in his old age. And now he hears about what happens with Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, he is interested in God despairing that city. Now Sodom, you well know, is not a place where you would want to be as a good godly Christian. Sodom and Gomorrah—they're—they're they're, not—they're not doing things that are upholding godliness. They're not promoting uh, truth. They're not propelling and getting out uh, the word of God. They're total opposite, aren't they? They're—they're uh, they're, we would call them—they're woke. We would say they were progressives. We—we we would say they are this uh, left wing. We would call them greenies. These are things we would say in the church setting, okay? Uh, you know, outside of the church setting, we might label them a little bit more harshly, uh, call them Democrats or something like that. But in, in a, a closed group where there's mixed company, we don't do that. Uh, so uh, you understand these aren't good Christian people. But God, we find that Abraham is very burdened. And we find that he stands yet before the Lord. You know, in order to have a burden, a burden is just not something that you can just pick up. A yoke is, a work is, but a burden is something different. You know, a burden must be inspired by numerous things. But let me say uh, just a few. Number one, a, version, uh, a burden must come from a a look, a steadfast look. The biblical word is a vision. Abraham realized what was going to happen, and we we see that, that that vision for what he saw could happen drew a burden in his soul. Jeremiah said it this way, Mine eye affecteth my heart. Uh, you find a, 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 a vision inspiring a burden. Someone in the life of Moses when Pharaoh's daughter was, when, was there bathing and the ark came and Moses was in the ark. The Word of God says in verse 6 of chapter 2 of Exodus, She saw the child, she had compassion. Matthew 9 and verse 36 talking of Jesus, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Now there's no doubt that Sodom disturbed Abraham, and there's no doubt that the way that Lot lived bothered Abraham, but I'm telling you that God saw, uh, Abraham saw what was going on, and he looked and he saw the vision He had a vision, and that vision inspired a burden. Abraham's not bickering. No, instead of bickering about the sins of Sodom, he's burdened about the state of Sodom. I'll tell you something tonight. God never moved in a miraculous way for the positive because we bickered long enough. God never brought revival because we bickered long enough. God never uh, drew that one out of sin because we complained right. tremendously. Yes, but I tell you what God has done, beloved. God's looked down and saw a mother, a wife, a husband, a child, a group of people at the house of God. A uh, God saw a young teenager. A uh, God saw a, a a widow. God saw some of His children that had a burden for the state of someone or a burden for the state of a nation, a burden for the state of his people, and they begin to pray and they begin to beseech God and they begin to call upon God. I'm telling you that vision, that vision is what inspired his burden. I tell you, unfortunately, we live in a world today, a society today, we all we have all types of visions. We have visions that inspire our our, our thirst for wealth. We have visions that motivate our our, our search for education. We have visions that motivate us uh, to reach a certain status. We have all types of vision. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing better than having a vision that brings us to prayer. That burden. I tell you, there's something about prayer that's amazing. I don't understand all about prayer. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm baffled about prayer. I don't do enough of it. But I'm going to tell you, there's something about prayer that, that, uh, that we need and we lack. Uh, as the old preacher said, God will do more with one man that will pray much and preach little than he will with ten men that will preach much and pray little. I'm telling you what, prayer, listen, beloved, uh, prayer is, is greater than the man going to the field. The man can take the gospel to the nation, but God can take the gospel to the soul. I tell you, you may can't go, but you can pray. You may can't preach, but you can pray. You may can't give, but you can pray. You may can't work, but you can pray. And we find him being burdened in this matter of prayer. We see not only a look, but we see a steadfast love. Abraham had some affection some love for lot even though lot hadn't been an encouragement to abraham matter of fact he'd been more of a hindrance than he had been a help the blessings that overflowed in abraham's life blessed lot and it was those blessings that caused contention and caused the separation and here lot hadn't done anything that was been a positive for abraham but yet he had a love for him that caused him to pray a burden but only oh, we see a burden in pray, but we see a begging in pray. In verse 23 through the end of that chapter, number 18, very familiar event in the life of Abraham is God says to Abraham, I, I'm not going to do this without telling Abraham. And then Abraham begins to talk to the Lord. He begins, Lord, if you find 50 righteous. Will you destroy the city? And uh, the Lord said he wouldn't. And he goes from 50, and you know the events from 50 to 40 down till he gets to to verse uh, to that number of 10. It's important to note that God didn't say, if Abraham found the righteous, he said, but if I find the righteous, because you can't fool God. You may esteem me or I, you, as righteous, but God sees the thoughts and intents of the heart. We can put on our Sunday costumes. We can put on our man of God attitude and our religious vernacular. Oh, but that don't matter. Hella beans to God. Matter of fact, he's repulsed by it. It sickens him because our righteousness are what? Filthy rags before him because, beloved, we have no righteousness. When I try to do right, I can't do it. Uh, but he says, if I find them, I'll do it. And, and here he begins to beg God, that continual coming, that continual beseeching. It is important to note that God didn't stop answering, but most Abraham stopped asking. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to read into the scriptures, but I wonder if Abraham should get God just for my sake, just for my sake. I don't want to step that far, but I'll say this, that God kept answering as Abraham kept asking. The Lord illustrates that in in His earthly ministry. When He talks about that woman over there with her in Luke 18, her continual coming, her continual coming. She just kept coming, she just kept coming, she just kept coming. Now our modern day word is nagging. I don't know if you want to use that in that context, but you get it. I've got three children, and the youngest to be a teenager this coming month. So, but when they were a lot younger, the boy, the persistence was different. I miss those days of that type of per- persistence. The now persistence is not as enjoyable, but nonetheless, they were persistent. I mean, just wouldn't give up. We say it this way: just wouldn't take no for an answer. I mean, they wanted that quarter piece of bubble gum in that machine, and I tell you, that was the world to them. They couldn't go another step further unless they had it. And uh, ours never did, and I'm honest. Uh, since we're on live, live stream, I'm honest here. Ours never did get in the floor and throw a fit. But, boy, they wanted it that bad. And I, I'm saying that's what the Lord is referencing when he says her continual coming She can't live without it. She's not going to take no, my dear friend, for an answer. I I like what this, this statement is. Listen to this. When we pray, we do not overcome God's reluctance, but we lay hold of God's highest willingness. We're not holding God from doing something He doesn't want to do, like we would give that quarter to that child for the bubble gum, just because he pests, I don't want to do it, but I want to give it. Oh, no, that's not what we do when we pray. I, I'm telling you, my dear friend, when we pray, we, we, we get down where we just can't go. And we say, God, I need it. And we beg and we plead. We beg and we plead. That's what we find Abraham doing. That's what we find Abraham. He's prostrate before the Lord, if you will. Not, not physically, but figuratively. Uh, not physically, but uh, emotionally, he's stirred in his soul, and he begs and he pleads that God would do something. God would do something. Unfortunately, the day in which we live, we we don't we don't really our character. We don't really want to beg for anything. Why do we need to beg? We can go find it on Amazon. Why do we need to beg? We can go Google it. We can go YouTube. We don't. Hey, listen. We don't have to beg. We got all of these amenities. I tell you, we need less of the amenities, less things in our hand, and more things in our heart. I tell you, we need something in our soul that we say, God, we cannot go on without it. We cannot consist without it. I'm going to tell you, dear friend, that's what Abraham was doing. He was pleading. He was pleading and begging. You know, the Word of God says that about a man named Job. Was a man in the land of us. It says this about his children. When his children would go out, and and uh, Job would pray for them, and listen what it says. Thus did Job continually, continually. He just beseeched God earnestly. He beseeched God faithfully. He. Beseech God, continue. You follow the scriptures, you'll find great events came from people that not just asked a few times, but they had a fervency in their prayer. Sure, God saved with just a help, Lord. And sure, God moved when he said, save me. I understand that, but I'm talking about the heart. It was a heart of begging and pleading for God. Not just a flippant prayer. Not just one out of obligation. I'll, I'll pray for revival because we're having a meeting next week. I'll pray for someone to be saved because it's missions month. Oh no. It's a begging in our pray. But let me conclude with seeing the blessings from his prayer. We find here that Sodom sinned greatly. And uh, the Lord sins in Chapter 19, the angels to Lot's house. And uh, notice what he says, but God remembered Abraham. And uh, by Abraham's praying, Lot was saved. We find in Psalms 106, it talks about Israel in their rebellion how they rebelled against the Lord while Abraham was on the top of the mount. In that verse 23, it says that, therefore he said, this is God, that he would destroy them, Israel, had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. The blessing. That Israel received is because Moses stood in the place between them and destruction. In the midst between them and doom, Moses prayed and the Lord spared them. The blessings didn't come on Moses per se, but it came on the nation of Israel. And in this context, the blessing didn't come on Abraham per se, but it came upon Lot. Here in our text verse, Abraham gets up early in the morning into that place where he stood before the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 28. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and behold, And beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So let's envision what Abraham does. This is his his equivalent to that closet praying place that the Lord tells us in the Gospels. He entered into this closet, this is his praying place. He went to that place where he stood before the Lord. And as he's there praying, he looks up and he sees the smoke of a furnace. And he realizes what has happened. Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed. Now that was a day where communication was an instant. I mean, I've got my parents were missionaries for years in Africa. My brother, missionary in Costa Rica. My brother pastors up in southeast Virginia. And I could call my brother in Costa Rica. He could three-way call because he had bondage at the time, mom and dad in Africa. And they could. And then I could call my brother in Virginia, and I could be driving down the highway talking to Costa Rica and South Africa and Virginia all at the same time, instant communication. It's even more now. You can text and literally have the voice that's heard around the world. But that's not where Abraham was, was at. Abraham stood before the Lord that morning. Now listen, this is the message. Abraham stood before the Lord that morning and he saw the smoke and he knew that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Now I, if you know, I, please tell me, but I don't find anywhere in the scripture that Abraham was ever told that Lot survived. I, I never find anywhere mentioned that Abraham was told that God heard your prayer, Abraham. And God saved Lot. You're a great prayer warrior. Keep praying. And mark this one down in your prayer journal. God answered this one. Nobody ever told Abraham that Lot was saved. I don't find anywhere now that we can speculate, but unless you've found something I haven't found, nowhere that Abraham ever told that Lot was spared. But I tell you what. You'll find not just this time, but the next time, Abraham's still getting up early in the morning and praying. Even though in his mind he could have thought, God didn't answer that one. I wish he would have, but he didn't. Tell you what, if God ain't going to answer that prayer, I mean, I was really burdened. I mean, I was really, I mean, he went from 50 to 10. If God's not going to answer that one, then forget it all. It just doesn't seem like he cares about my prayer. I'm saying Abraham kept praying even though he did not know. Now let's flip the coin. Here Lot is down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And and the angels come and says, I'm going to destroy the, the country. And he says this, I can't do this while you're here. You know why he couldn't do that while he was there? Because he had an uncle praying for him. You know why he got saved? Because he had an uncle praying for him. I want to ask you this. There's nowhere in the scripture that Lot ever knew that his uncle was praying for him. When Lot was salvaged, he didn't... Nobody came and said, I tell you what, Lot, you would have been destroyed. But you had an uncle that was praying for you. You had somebody that cared. Somebody that was concerned. And that's why you're here today. Because somebody prayed for you. He didn't know that. I'm going to tell you this morning, this evening, there's two types of people that's here this morning, this evening. If I can get my time right. We got Abrahams here. That you're praying. And you're praying and sometimes it don't seem like God hears. Sometimes it don't seem like God answers. Can I encourage you to keep praying? Don't give up. Don't stop. Uh, don't lack in fervency. Ask God to give you renewed fer- fervency. Ask God to give you a stir. And I'm telling you this evening what God will do with a church that will pray. What God will do with a family that will pray. What God will do in the lives of individuals with someone that will pray. I- I'm saddened in my own life and I'm saddened when I look at modern day Christianity that it seems like we got all the resources We've got all of the amenities. We've got all of the the information available. If we want to study a scripture, we can look it up all over the world. If we want to learn about something, we can get all types of aids. I'm telling you, my dear friend, that's done nothing but, but buried us. It's buried us. All this information has squeezed the vein of a communication between us and God. I'm going to tell you what we need is not what we can get from a book. What we need is not what we can get from a seminar. What we need is not what we can get from a preacher. What we need is what we can get from God. And we only can get that when we pray. When we pray When we pray. And I'm afraid there may be some lots here this evening. You don't know it. But the reason you're here tonight... Because somebody's praying for you. You've got a grandfather that's praying for you and you're here tonight because he prayed. A spouse, a church member, a Sunday school teacher. We could list numerous people that could be praying. They're praying for you. Some of the church kids here tonight, you may not want to be here. But you're here because there's a mama praying for you. I'll close with my... Personal illustration: My middle brother, he's the—he was the most rebellious. Now, the baby—I'm the baby. The baby's usually best, and that applied in our home. <laughs> but my middle brother—he—he he gave the most trouble, and he'd tell you that if he was here. And uh, mom and dad really weren't strict. They were, they were consistent, though. They were consistent, and they prayed. My middle brother, he worked up the, up the road at a gas station, and he wasn't about 15. Back in those days, I know that's not a long time ago, but things changed so quickly. I told my brother the other day, we're becoming archaic before our time. We shouldn't be looked as dinosaurs in your 40s and 50s. Theologically and the way we worship things are getting old-fashioned quick. They're aging quick. Nonetheless, those days, boys worked at 15 and not played video games. I knew I was going somewhere with that, and I got it back around. So he worked up the road and at the little gas station and up there, you know, getting devilment. He would come home at night. When they closed, close, he'd get home by 11.30. He would come in the house and put him some music on headphones with a long wire. Kids, there was a day when the only way you could get music in your ears, there was a wire attached to the device. And the device wasn't that big. The device was about this big. <laughs> TV, flat screen TV is about this big right here. It took two people. Nobody ever stole your flat screen back in those days. Mom would come in there and she'd cut that ungodly music off. She wouldn't wake him up with a switch. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's not how she would do that. She'd come in, cut it off. He'd already be asleep. And she'd put a scripture verse on the radio. He'd come home. The way our house was, and I'm closing. The way our house was, you'd walk in through the kitchen you turn to the right and there's a hallway my brother's oldest brother's rooms there on down me and my middle brother who I'm talking about was on the left and at the end of the hall was a bathroom and beyond the bathroom was the laundry room more than one occasion he would come home hear someone crying in that laundry room he'd listen mom would be crying out his name to God she wasn't beating him with a stick. She wasn't threatening to kick him out of the house. I'm not saying one way's the best way or the only way. But I tell you what she'd do: she'd pray. He left those prayers, but those prayers never, never left him. You see, I'm telling you tonight, dear friend, prayer goes where we can't. Prayer does. What only God can do. And you may be here tonight and you're one of those rebellious people. I want to tell you, you've got a lot in your heart. But there's an Abraham praying for you. Everyone that's saved here tonight would testify somebody prayed for them. Whether it was a preacher, whether it was a parent, whether it was an uncle. But somebody (coughs) prayed for them. So if you're not a lot here tonight, be Abraham find you someone to pray for. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for your wonderful people. God, I know there's not a person in this room tonight that would say their prayer life is what it should be. Lord, I feel like the disciples teach us to pray. God, help us. Help me. Help me, Lord, to not be so distracted and busy, Lord, that our prayer life goes neglected. God, if there is one in here that represents lot in their life, I pray you'd convict them. I pray for those sweet, dear Abrahams that are represented here tonight that are praying. I pray you'd encourage them. Be with the service that follows. In Christ's name we pray.